I don't like. Do I need to take this thing off? No, that the pop. No, I think you just need to anything. spin it. So you're spin talking it. into the blue icon. The mute button should be right in front of you. Yeah, but that's what I was talking to earlier, and he couldn't hear me. That sounds a little better now. Oh wait, that was yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. This is what we yeah, got. I think you just have to make a, <laughs> a conscious effort to be really close and nice and sexual uh, with it. So. It's aggressive. <laughs> this mic's my only lover. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a. I don't have a fancy mic. I'm just gonna put it on. Like, huh? Yeah, no, yes, that works too. Uh, just make sure you breathe into it aggressively. So you're like, yeah. So. <laughs> oh my god. Hello and welcome back to the Health Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Ro and I'm here together with the gang. Per usual, we have Brooke and Nicole. Say hello. What's up? Hey, hey. Hey, hey. <laughs> Nicole's ultra quiet, but it's okay. We're just, we're going to tell her to get really close to the mic. <laughs> I don't so know what I'm supposed to do. In their, in their headphones. <laughs> <laughs> be real sensual um we also have a guest a good friend of mine who also went to mississippi state because apparently that's those are the only guests we get at this point are people, people that <laughs> were at state um we have here ethan stewart what up ethan how's it going hey it's great having a great sunday so far it's beautiful out here what's the weather like where where you all are at i guess cold so we have northeast cold cold in tennessee <laughs> Yeah, cold and like dreary, dreary here. North Carolina, great. What about Baltimore? It's not as cold as you would think. It's like forty-four degrees today, so it was a it was a relatively nice day to like go out, walk the dogs and no sun, just clouds. You know, great day. Nice. Yeah, definitely getting that seasonal <laughs> depression. <laughs> well, what do you call it when you have it during all four seasons, though? Depression. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, here it was. It was like fifty-five when I was when I was working out. So it's it's been pretty pretty nice. Like was that's the sun like warm out? to me now. I'm like, yeah, the sun. Yeah. So when the sun is out here, it's like it's totally okay. It's not too. Is windy. the sun out a um, lot there? You, yeah, because we're like a whole mile up. So that's that sun when it hits, it hits. That motherfucker be spitting. So you just sure. have regular depression, it's, it's not like seasonal super... depression, because there's plenty of sunlight. I said I'd get my vitamin depression. Yeah, that's that's what it's from. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting here because you're stuck inside. It's like, hey, all of Baltimore's closed. All the restaurants are takeout, carryout only, delivery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, I'm going to leave the house today. And you walk outside and it's 40 degrees and cloudy. And you're like, yes, this is what I wanted the first time to walk out in a week. <laughs> you're like, this just gives you motivation to stay inside, mm-hmm. keep watching Netflix and drinking your beers. Ethan, where are, where are you from originally? Uh, born and raised in Kentucky. Um, so grew up in a really small town in Kentucky. Nice. How do you like Baltimore compared to Kentucky? Like, what has that been like? Uh, so it's actually really strange. I grew up in like the smallest town, one high school kind of place with 300 kids total. Like, so my, my graduating class was wow. 115. It's like really, really small. I grew up on a farm. Mm-hmm. I was in Lexington, Kentucky for six years for my undergrad and my master's degree. 
So got a little bit bigger city, but Baltimore is a completely different beast. Like we live in the heart of the city. I have to parallel park every day in a truck, which sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You wow. have a truck, that big black beast, dude. <laughs> yeah, but like wild. we live right beside a park here in Baltimore. So we have two dogs. So it's nice for us to go out and walk. So like there's a huge park in the middle of the city, which is super strange. She's like driving by all these row homes and all these businesses. And there's just like park. And it's like six, six blocks like eight blocks it's it's huge in the middle of the city and you're just like what what the hell is this and you're like, i want to live next to that thing that's the only green around <laughs> i feel that what was i gonna say oh man i just i just blanked oh yeah the the ravens just lost was it today uh yeah mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of hard because you can't be outside but like was there like a different feeling in baltimore just now or was it just kind of uh, like i mean whatever? a little bit this city's very proud of its teams. Um, we're like we're very local market, so like the people around Baltimore are, are huge Orioles and Ravens fans. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say it's huge, like you're going out, but inside of Baltimore, like we we love our teams, um, and we have a very close relationship between the Orioles and the Ravens. So like it's always good to see them succeed. It's rough to see them when they lose, but it's good for our city. We right. just have to follow up now. Yeah, yeah, Orioles in a bit of a rough spot, but it's okay. The Cubs are out of a championship window, so I'm going to be sad for a really, really long time. So, what is it like the next hundred years? Yep. All right, that's cool. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's rough, man. He's uh, already got depression. Yeah, I have my little pennant right behind me. Like 2016 was the best year of my life. And it's since then, it's just only gone downhill. <laughs> that was such a I long time ago. Day. I really did. I left Buffalo Wild Wings and I just started crying. It was a good, it was so I'm cathartic. glad you let it out, like, bro. this is for my ancestors. <laughs> yeah. My I ancestors. Start, <laughs> you mean the, you mean the, makes sense. Oh, the what, one okay. sports bar in Starkville is where you watch the game? Yeah, we went to, we went to B-dubs. It was that one B-dubs that you would sit at every tuesday by yourself before you had friends <laughs> yeah fun fact before Roe or anybody talked to me when i got to mississippi state i went to beat ups and sat at the bar alone and then one day they're like hey we know him and then i had friends <laughs> that's how it happens it's okay I, yeah i was i was thinking about the other day that uh I, I didn't know anyone in mississippi when i moved down and i remember it was like shep ben and hunter who we just had on last week were chilling in their ga office and Somebody had told me that there was like some sort of tailgate and I'd never been to like a football tailgate, like SEC school is obviously not my thing. And I was like, oh, so so I hear something's happening on like Saturday and they're like, yep, we'll be right out right outside. And I was like, it was so weird for me because I felt like I was in <laughs> elementary school being like, could I sit at your guys' tables? Can you know? I play uh, on the playground with you? <laughs> Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> like, these are my toys. Did you want to play with me? Oh, my um, God. And I just I just remember them being like, uh, yeah, we'll be there. And then I showed up, and it was, like, pseudo awkward. And then I think Shep and I shotgun beers. And then from there, it was like, cool. Like, it is whatever. So it's funny you mentioned that one day we were just like, hey, is that Ethan? And then, bam. <laughs> like, you were kind of our, our fourth roommate for, for a time there. So... Yeah, I, I lived in a house by myself, and I pretty much spent all of my free time at their house instead. <laughs> yeah, same with Jim. That was, that was good times. That was a year after you two left. So otherwise, you would have seen a lot more of Ethan for sure. But 
Anyway, let me give you an official intro. Um, Ethan is the player performance facilitator for the Baltimore Orioles and a PhD candidate at Mississippi State University. Um, he is a biomechanist and a lover of all things sports, especially University of Kentucky, which we kind of just talked about. Um, what What's your, your PhD in, is it kinesiology? Technically, it's all the same stuff, but I don't... I don't know what it is down there anymore. Yeah, so it's still in kinesiology, um, and my focuses are actually neuromechanics and biomechanics, so how the brain Jeez. functions with the body and then how the body is controlled. Um, so we like to think of like the mechanical engineering of the body, so that's the biome biomechanics part. Um, yeah, PhD candidate, specifically in baseball hitting, have all the data collected and we're just in that long fun part of looking at the results and writing everything up in a super long format i bet and we were talking earlier your wife is also into baseball and biomechanism biomechanics sorry um right correct yeah yeah so she's actually finishing her phd online in health and Very human cool. performance with a focus in baseball pitching biomechanics so I focused on hitting for my master's and my PhD, and she's focused on pitching for her master's and her PhD. God, man. That's awesome. For the rest Wait, so us. how did you all meet? Now I have to know. <laughs> At a baseball yeah, so, game. <laughs> <laughs> Get your penis. <laughs> yeah, actually, my last semester of my master's program was her first semester. So she finished her undergrad in three and a half and then came in my last semester, which like if she hadn't graduated, we wouldn't we would have never crossed paths. But she came to the University of Kentucky to study under my advisor and her advisor, Dr. Robert Shapiro, who was a huge guy in baseball biomechanics. In our first class, I turned around, said hello, and then some like email exchanges and a phone number later, and and we just started spending a lot of time together. Dang, so a baseball match made in yeah. heaven. That's right. <laughs> Do you also um, both cheer on cheer the same team? Don't you, professional or or, or grew up? I don't know. Yeah. If Grew up cheering on the same team. Um, so we might talk about this a little later, but I grew up a Cincinnati Reds fan. I grew up about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Cincinnati. So that was the only professional baseball team around. And she grew up part of the time in Mason, Ohio, which is right outside of Cincinnati, but her parents were lifelong Reds fans. So we actually, our homes throughout basically high school and when she was in Ohio were only about an hour and 15 minutes away. So it was very strange that wow. we ended up meeting each other at Kentucky when she had gone to school in Mississippi and New York before she got there. Look at that. Match made in baseball heaven. Wow. The commissioner himself <laughs> <laughs> put you two together. So that's really that's really cool. And, and I love Megan. She's that's awesome. so smart. Like, uh, I didn't think people could be that smart. And I know I say that yeah, like, about a lot of people, but damn, Megan is very... <laughs> She's very, very smart. She's definitely the brains of the family. No. I'm, I'm very happy to say that I'm not the smartest one in my relationship. <laughs> oh, man. Well, moving on to some things. What are we drinking? Ethan, as the, as the uh, not host, as the guest, you can go ahead and go first and let us know what you're drinking. Yeah, so normally I'd be drinking bourbon because I am from Kentucky. <laughs> um, but since, since I'm new to Baltimore... Um, I actually found a beer by this Peabody Heights brewery in Baltimore called Mr. Trash Wheel's Solar Power Sour. And uh, there's a trash wheel in the Inner Harbor that helps clean up what's going on down there. And part of the proceeds from all of these six packs sold go to help the trash wheel keep keep churning some trash and getting it out of our harbor. So that's what I'm drinking. 
Very cool. Keep doing your part, man. <laughs> keep, keep drinking. <laughs> One beer at a time. Right. Every, beer, every beer I drink, it says that they found a python, a guitar, a tire, an empty keg, a pizza box, and a high heel shoe. So for every beer is one high heel shoe is what I'm saying. Or maybe a python. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, the python amazing. though yeah the dang. python i'm like oh okay that's really uh -uh. cool i'll take that over a high heel shoe any day <laughs> what about you brooke <laughs> i have got my sleepy time tea i'm in full grandma brooke mode <laughs> i'm not gonna lie it's sunday i get it why yo what kind of tea is it it's actually from Trader Joe's, mm. so you're going to hate on it, but it's mm. delicious. It's got like chamomile and some spearmint. It's very soothing. I've been working since like 8 o'clock this morning, so I'm on like 12 oh hours my. of work. So I feel drunk, <laughs> and I'm just drinking tea. Talk about a lazy Sunday then, huh? Whoa. <laughs> what about you, Nicole? I am drinking a local Merlot, so a little red wine deviating from my normal Pinot Noir. Uh, I just learned today, I guess now that Merlot and they're they're both reds. Mm -hmm. I I, well, I mean it when I say I know zero about like wine. <laughs> That's why so. we need to take you to a winery and culture you. <laughs> white uh, yeah, girl, white girl me. winery. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it any any day. Next time I'm out there, but fine. That's, no, that's find cool. one in it's, New Mexico, and that's where we'll we'll, we'll go when we visit you. I think they have some, I'm sure they have some wineries out here. Surely. It's like, There's really good wine in like Arizona area, Northern Arizona. Yeah. I don't know if you can, they're, they're different. Very different. One is where like old white money is. And then uh, the other one is where uh, old white money took advantage of. So mm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of different. So sad. I <laughs> uh, love this place. Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, what I'm drinking is it's called abnormal. It's the last beer that you all sent me back in December. Uh, it's got this like, I don't know, this like matte green can to it. Um, I was reading it earlier, and <clears throat> I, I gotta say I've, I've never been like aroused by a beer before. But let me just read you the the description because I, was I don't like, know. Oh, okay, I don't know about talk, this. Talk to me. No, no, no. It'll be okay. <laughs> so it says, upon cracking this can, you may begin to daydream. But this is happy heaven of a beer. It's real life. The aggressively hop-forward nose provided by nugget and mosaic is followed by waves of citrus and tropical fruits from Cascade and Citra. And then it just goes on to, like, keep doing that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to. They're not a sponsor. So I'm not just Did gonna you keep just read me a bedtime story? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but it ends with, it ends with like lingering fruitness that begs for another gulp dream responsibly and so i'm like oh. baby i'll drink you all night <laughs> <laughs> do not tempt this uh, man yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> takes one good looking beer and i'm like all right i'll have that one but anyway, um, so we do have a question of the week, which I think is going to be really, it'll be some really great insight from, from you two, Nicole and Brooke. But this comes from T.P. Killinger or Killinger. Shout out to his uh, German grandma. Um, but he says, so I recently recovered from COVID. I was asymptomatic the entire time other than losing my sense of smell and taste. Not being able to taste really demotivates me to eat and fuel properly. I continue to force myself to try and maintain a normal diet 
as I know it is essential, but what advice do y'all have for others who may be going through this as well? My only answer for him is like, dude, you got to do it for the gains. Don't wither away. But like, I don't have any sort of like strategies for being like, hey, just uh, just keep eating, you know? Rose priorities. <laughs> That's great. I would, my advice is, well, you know, there's a whole new set of problems with COVID, but what came to mind was oncology patients. Remember that, Nicole, how we would, mm-hmm. chemotherapy and the different cancer drugs change your sense of taste and smell. And so people wouldn't want to eat. Uh, so one of the strategies that worked there was comfort foods and things you enjoy eating or that are like palatable, like you like the texture. So like a hearty soup, something that just like warms you and makes you feel good or is like comforting of like, Hey, when I was a kid, I used to have soup and grilled cheese. Um, also really leaning into calorie dense drinks, like carb drinks, sports drinks, like Gatorade, um, smoothies, milkshakes, you can add protein powder to things that are really calorie dense because your body will definitely need nutrients to fight off the sickness. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so sorry that this is happening to you because, um, a few people that I know that have gotten COVID, they definitely have said this is like the worst side effect. If this is something that you experience the no taste, um, So I agree with Brooke of just like reminding yourself that your body needs this to recover. You need the fuel to continue to feel better and, you know, just to function. But, um, it has been interesting though. I've seen a few people, I have not done any research on this, so do not take my word for it, (laughs) but they're saying like to eat something like super acidic to like try to get the taste back. And I literally like watched this girl just like take a spoonful of garlic and eat it one time because she couldn't taste anything. And so she was like, I'm willing to do anything to get my taste back. I don't think it worked, but, um, you might try to throw some (laughs) acidic things in there, see what happens. It's like most of confusion. You're like, you gotta, you gotta shock it. You gotta shock it back awake. You're like, well, that's not yeah. how it really works. <laughs> um, my cousin, my cousin had COVID, um, lost his taste and, and smell and everything. He said the only thing he could taste was like spice, and he didn't know that. So he was like eating all this random stuff, just like that person. And then he was like, oh, I'm just gonna bomb wasabi just to see what it's like. And he was like, no, that shit burned. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> good to know. It's really good to know. So if you have uh, have had COVID or have COVID, uh, let us know if you can still taste spice. So and then also, I am sorry that you're going through that. Like <laughs> that mm. is wild. So I had so pizza like twice mm-hmm. this week. I, couldn't even imagine not being able to taste it yeah oh my Mm -mm. god that's like that's so sad and i I don't want to make you feel worse tyler but like you can do this you'll you'll get through this (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah tyler is very very fit very active he's uh an athletic trainer for the orlando football team so or sorry football club it's the soccer team my bad um but yeah um cool so let's let's dive into this podcast episode um today we're going to talk about like performance and biomechanics especially how it relates to baseball so ethan um tell us a little bit about yourself your journey to where you are now um and what it is that you do exactly with your job yeah um so uh i come from a really small town in kentucky like i said um to one high school Um, grew up on a farm ended up going to Kentucky because I I really wanted to stick in sports and I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist right um 
typical thing for a lot of people in kinesiology. Classic exercise science, yep. <laughs> yeah, so I actually started at Kentucky as a biology major and realized that um, chemistry and things weren't great for me. So I switched to exercise science where I only had to take the first two chemistry classes. Um, but then got to my senior year, did all my PT hours, so did like 300 plus shadow hours at PT clinics. Uh, and my last semester, I, I was taking a class in biomechanics and I just fell in love. Um, so I didn't submit a single PT application, um, submitted an application to go get my master's in biomechanics from the University of Kentucky studying under uh, Rob Shapiro, Dr. Rob Shapiro, just because he was a huge baseball biomechanist and basically it's taken off from there. So when I left UK, I was looking for a place to uh, continue my studies, ended up at Mississippi State and knew I wanted to stay in baseball, but didn't really know where to go. So I found an internship with the Tampa Bay Rays as a sports performance science intern. Did that for a summer. Absolutely loved it. I went back the next summer to the exact same internship, which is very rare to go back as an intern again, um, but knew that's where I wanted to end up. And then um, got to this year, went into candidacy for my PhD and started literally emailing every single team in the MLB, just sent a huge email blast like, hey, my name's Ethan. I'm a PhD candidate. I love baseball. I've worked in baseball. Can you hire me? Um, and I was talking with a bunch of teams, ended up the Orioles had a position that they were looking to hire and um, came here. So really my, my journey was just a lot of trials and errors. A lot of PT shadow hours just led me to biomechanics and, and what it can do for athletes and what I do here. So the nice thing about my job is I can still use my biomechanics, but it's really a sports science job. So I get to take a, a little bit of everything. So I get to work with the athletic trainers. I get to work with the strength conditioning. I work with the players on field. I work with the coaches on the field. So I get to literally do a little bit of everything. And like my mannerisms, me as a person, I, I'm not good for just sitting in an office. So it's it's good that I can be on the field and interacting because um, this, this is definitely where I need to be. And um, it, it's just a lot of fun to kind of bring all this sports science because if you, if you watch baseball, you're around baseball you know there's all this new technology all these people are coming out with all these new things and and for us my job is to literally find what we can use find what's going to be efficient and, and try those out and if they work implement them within the organization from from top to bottom so from our rookie level all the way through our major league team and just try to build an organization that's uh competing in our division so we're in a tough division the al east we have the yankees we have the red sox we have the Tampa Bay Rays. It's like we're we're in a pretty hard division. So for us, it's it's building a farm system with all of our younger guys that's going to feed into our major league team to be competitive at that level. That's so that's so awesome. That's like I, I guess one of my dream jobs. Can you say that? Can you have multiple <laughs> dream jobs? Uh, you can just have like being a, a sports scientist and being like, all right, yeah, we're just gonna take it all. Um, really, really cool. I, I will say, I forget that the the Rays are in the same division. Was was that like a a problem? You know, because you did intern at the Rays, like it, you know what I no, mean? No, I like, mean. So the nice thing about working in in sports is basically we're a very tight small group of people. So once you get in, you can basically be in like getting a job in the MLB is the hardest part, but once you're in, it's, it's kind of easy to float around and find other jobs. So when, like when you're looking for a job, if that team isn't going to offer you a position or they don't have a position available, it's not like frowned upon for you to look at other teams. So 
the Rays didn't have any full-time opportunities. So I was free to look at other places and I was an intern. So I, there was no ties. I wasn't under contract. So there was, gotcha. there was no issues there. Very cool. So you, you did mention that you took a biomechanics class and then you were like, you, oh, I'm so in love, right? I took a biomechanics class, thought I would really like it. Cause that's kind of what I thought I wanted to do. And then all of the physics and math came into play and I was like, oh no, I don't, I don't do this. Um, so what about biomechanics like struck you or like, what is it exactly that you like about it? Because, cause I think a lot of people don't know what it is and I'm still not really sure. So if you can explain like what it is and then also why you like it, that would be really great. Yeah. I mean, the simplest way to describe it is it's the engineering of the body. It's taking the physics, you're taking the calculus, all of that math and applying it to our body to tell how we're moving and why we're moving. So we can look at exactly how the body is positioned in space, why it's moving in space, so the forces acting upon it, what's causing those forces, our muscles. So knowing the anatomy and just understanding the body. And for me, I fell in love with biomechanics because I can see how people are moving and why they're moving and apply it to their performance and their injury risk, right? So there's two sides to sports biomechanics. There's injury prevention and performance enhancement. So we're trying to do this balancing act all the time of increasing their performance on the field, but also decreasing their injury risk at the same time. So for me, finding that balance and being able to work with those to help players stay on the field, but also just like crush the shit out of some baseballs, like that, I, I fell in love, right? So being able to work with that side and like I've, I've always been like a math geek, which like I didn't want to do calculus because it's like too much math. But if I can like work with the body, but bring in some math and some physics and everything else with me. Like that was the perfect blend. So that, that's like that first assignment using those to look at trajectories of baseballs and soccer balls and how they're kicked using like your Pythagorean theorems and everything. Right. I was, that was, I was, I was all in all these vectors. And, uh, if I, you know, where like the, what is it like when the tipping point to where it starts to go down and all that stuff, I was like, I don't know, man, just throw the ball. <laughs> That's yeah, and like there's there's the, the cool part for us now. So like I taught biomechanics in my master's program. So I taught a biomechanics lab at Mississippi State. I actually taught the sports biomechanics class. So I thought that I taught the three hour lecture. But teaching students how projectiles move in space, why the body is moving, how it's moving like that part is just really fun. I think that's a big part of what's helped me be successful here in this first year is I had the experience of taking that knowledge and taking all these really complex words and complex ways and using it to describe to a general population. Like my coaches, my athletes aren't going to understand if I'm talking in huge words that are specifically for biomechanics. So having that ability and teaching, it was a huge part of my, my journey here. So I can communicate with the coaches and the players and be like, Hey, this is your bat speed. Like we're looking at this. I'm not going to go in velocity because there's negative and positive velocity. And that's just going to like blow their mind. Right. They don't need to know that if they run from second to first, like it's negative, like we're talking about speed. So understanding where things are coming from, we're talking about momentum. We're talking about all of these things moving together. It's having the ability to describe it in general terms. And I love that, that complexity. Do you ever have athletes that like to nerd out and like know the science behind it? Yes, that's so that's one thing I really like. So we actually have a few athletes within our organization who have degrees in kinesiology. So wow. they go to college and they get those degrees. So when they come to me and they're they're 
they're looking at this data, they ask questions specifically about the data. Like, hey, we we do a lot of like the kinematic sequence, so that's a big piece when when body parts are moving relative to each other. And they're like they'll nerd out about kinematic sequence or bat velocity and how they can increase it or or pitch speed and, and all this ground reaction forces and they'll come to me and they'll nerd out with it and we can sit down. My issue is that that's awesome. Yeah, the yeah. podcast listeners will probably understand I talk a lot, so my <laughs> issue sometimes <laughs> yeah, my issue sometimes is like we can go into a lot of detail. So sometimes I kind of get a little sidetracked and I get on like a little soapbox and we have like a really long conversation when they just needed like A, B and C. And like right. we went A through like F, like you can have it all. <laughs> they're like, uh, okay, I guess I'll just tip you on the way up. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's, that's really great for an athlete, right? Because then they get to take what they learn. And then I think that's why a lot of athletes even will go into kinesiology because it's like, how do I make myself faster, stronger or whatever? Um, but to get someone who has spent way more time in it and hence like, you know, taking data and extrapolate a lot of things, then they get to be like, Oh, okay. This is, this is really cool. Um, so I think that that's, that's really great. And I know that you said you work with, what was it? 60, a hundred, 200. I don't know why I pulled this number. Uh, a lot of people and a lot of athletes. Um, and so like, how do you, how do you even make the time to, to talk with all of them or like, who do you, who do you choose to spend six hours talking to on in going into like rabbit holes and stuff? Yeah. So we have a little over 200 athletes within the entire organization. So from our big league team, all the way down to our Dominican summer league team, so we have a lot of athletes in the organization. So what's been really big for me is giving the athletes the data, right? So one big piece for success in an organization is the athletes having control of what they're doing. One issue we see is basically when an athlete does a test and they never see what's happening or why you're using it, like it makes them resent doing that test ever again. So like, why am I wasting my time? So a big piece for what I've done here is basically give the athletes the ability to see the data and talk about the data, understand that they own what they're doing. So now some athletes, when they really want the data, can come, but those athletes that just basically want you to see it and understand that they own it, but you to tell them what to do, those are the ones you don't have to like go into that super detail. So it's like, hey, we saw A, B, and C from this data. They're like, cool, that's all I needed. Where other athletes, you'll be like, hey, I saw A and B. They're like, can you tell me a little more about A? So you give them the ability to come to you with those questions instead of you going and every time trying to like mansplain what's happening to them. Like, I don't need to go into this much detail. It's like, hey, this is your data. You tell me what you want to know. This is what I see and this is what we need to do. Very cool. I think I think that um, the three of us have found a lot of success in coaching people that way as well. You know, because you're like, hey, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And this is why something may or may not be working. And then we can talk to them about it instead of just being like, sorry, you didn't eat enough vegetables. You suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Lazy coaching. But but I think that that's that's really cool that like at a fundamental level, that's how you connect with people. And that's how you get people to to stick to what they're doing and that that engages them right so that they're like cool i'll come back and ask you questions or i'm going to try a little harder this week or a little harder the next test or whatever um but yeah that's 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 really awesome like thanks for explaining that so <laughs> cool um I, I i do have a question on how it pertains to like because because we kind of just talked about and i hate saying like normal people i just don't know how to 
how to say it like because even like lay the lay person is like normies yeah you know that's what they used to call (laughs) non-athletes like sound like such a such a tool when you say like oh these normies here but you know like since you have the privilege of working with elite athletes um and and i've i've only had a a handful of them right i'm not within an organization but what do you think makes them elite what do you think makes them different aside from you know genetics because that's that's like an easy you're like oh yeah he's six four like of course he's going to be a beast compared to someone who's like five two um but you know what what are some things that you've seen across the board that you can kind of generalize or pinpoint and be like oh that guy's going to be good or that's why he is good especially since you do get to test a lot of things yeah um so i am very blessed to work with some of the best athletes in the sport of baseball right so like when they get to me they're they're pretty damn good. I'm not, I'm not walking up to like the high school team I played on and, and picking the backup catcher and be like, Hey, let's go to work today. So, um, but yeah, I think, so when we talk about the, the normal people or the normies, like that's me, right? Like I wasn't a great athlete. Like I went to college for academics for a reason, right? (laughs) Like I had the ability to play some, like some collegiate level sports, but like I knew like that wasn't my future. So for me, like thinking about this, there's a couple things. One, like you said, sometimes it's just genetics, but two, like the openness, the willing to work. So the willing to be coached when things come up and you see things being open-minded to be like, Hey, I will try that with you. We're like, Hey, like let's work on this for a week, two weeks, see if we see improvement. If not, let's make an adjustment. Just don't stick to that same track. And this is where kind of biomechanics comes in. Right? So I can do these tests and then we can develop a plan and then we can retest and we can see where you fall. And this isn't like, you don't have to have all this fancy equipment. There's a lot of ways to do that now, but using something to test, making a plan, seeing where it is, and then retesting to see if you've actually accomplished what you were looking for is a huge piece to these elite level athletes because they're willing to adapt. Their goal is to get to the highest level. So they strive every day to get to that highest level. Yeah. Testing and retesting is such a huge thing for everyone, but you know, I think it, the difference between testing and retesting, you know, whether a certain food makes me feel weird or if I was able to squat more and whether your team is going to win the world series is like, <laughs> they're not on the same level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if we're talking, if we're talking like in normal terms, like if I was like, Hey, like I one rep maxed the bench press as a freshman at one thirty-five, and I haven't retested since what's up. Obviously yeah. I'm great. <laughs> yeah you're like if that i was, never test again i can't be disappointed <laughs> that was only 15 years ago <laughs> yeah it's crazy oh brooke it looked like you were gonna say something sorry i don't know oh no i'm i'm just laughing <laughs> she's like i need people to laughing hear. silently <laughs> with my mic on mute <laughs> <laughs> i know that's the word i'm like unmute haha mute back again <laughs> all this clutter um yeah i think that that that's really that's like the competitive mindset, right? Of being like, yeah, I want to be better, but better than I was last time. Like I want to give 1% more. Yeah. And another thing I'll say on this, like, this is coming to me as like, we're talking about it, but also like you think about these elite level athletes, they're never, they're never complacent. It's not like, Hey, I'm the best on my team. And that's cool for me. These guys are going out and they're challenging themselves against other people. It's like, Hey, I crush my district. Like I'm great. 
So let's go to another state. Let's go to these other people and get more competition so I can continue pushing myself. There's no complacency within this of, hey, I reached this. When you reach a goal, it's just immediately setting a new one. Like, hey, I'm the best on my team. Now I want to be the best in the district. Best in the district. Now I want to be the best in the region. It's like continuously having those goals to build on is a huge part of these guys just continuously pushing themselves to be the best. Yeah, it's definitely some and, some psychosis too. You know what I mean? Because you're like, I'm never satisfied. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I get it, yeah. and it's it's necessary, but also like, you know, celebrate some victories. But that's that's a sacrifice that you make. Yeah, you definitely have to have. So, like, one reason I talked about setting those goals is you have to take time to enjoy those goals. Like, you can't be like, hey, I made it. Like, no time. Let's serious. Get back to work. You have to have time for yourself to understand. Like, hey, this was really cool. I did a really great job on this. So. Like as you're building, like you have to take time for your mental aspect, like your mentality to be like, Hey, cool. I just crushed this goal. Now let's make a new one. Yeah. It's, I think it's really, really good that you mentioned that, um, you know, that they're just, that's like a subtle thing, right? Is that they're consistently chasing stuff. Like in my experience, especially with working with a lot of the fighters here in Albuquerque, it's like they're, they're people, you know, uh, they have a lot of the same gifts or same like physical capacities that like some some people have but it's just that they're they're just like a little better or they do like one thing just a little more that over 10 years they're like oh this is why i am you know way faster way skilled it's because like every day i was like i just want to be a little better than i was last time um and we had this guy here who just started working there uh who I think it lives here in Albuquerque. He lives, he lives up in the mountains. So he he's very committed because he's like, dude, I sleep high, I train low. And I'm like, at least you're doing it right. That's great, Dan. Um, but he was like, I go to California because that's like my crew to fight with because they, they go and push me. Like he, he's like, I'm, I'm good here in Albuquerque. I'm not that good over there because they're just going to like keep kicking my ass and whatnot. So I think that that's like really great um and we'll get to to later about you know whether your kids want to play baseball and and whatnot and steps you can take whatever but like that's that's the main thing is that like just you can't be satisfied you can't just be like oh i'm good with this i love that you brought up like the power of proximity of like surrounding yourself with people that are better than you to like level up i love that yeah what is that saying right if you hang out with five losers you're going to be the sixth loser like, <laughs> well, isn't that a saying? Like, you are the company that you keep. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of my dad's favorite sayings mm-hmm. to me when I was when I was growing up. It's a good I'm one. Really, I'm, I feel bad for you that I was part of the company you kept. So you really downgraded <laughs> <Yeah>. yourself. So <laughs> all three, there was, all three of the there, was a, there was a period there for like a year at Mississippi State when like I was the fourth loser. But we won't, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Listen, uh, we, we've all grown up now. You're like the fifth or sixth. We're evolving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're out. We're out. <laughs> we made it out. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I love you all. You're all winners in in my book. <laughs> um, Ethan, I know that uh, when I when I started at the the PR like uh, with my sports science stuff, I, I reached out like immediately because I was like, "Hey, you are one of the few people I know that works with like." top tier athletes. So we've, we've exchanged a lot of ideas. And I think you texted me about like VO2 stuff a month and a half ago or two months ago. I don't remember. Time is a blur. Um, but like with baseball players, what are things that you're looking at specifically? And I know you can't get too specific because, you know, this is your job and everything. Uh, 
but like what are things that you're looking at and 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 why for someone who might be listening to and i can hear your dog in the back <laughs> it's all good uh, i was like what's yeah. that animal what do you think you're looking <laughs> specifically and why yeah. <laughs> it's a mix between a husky and the fire truck going by the house nice um, <laughs> i love that husky just pure white that's my dream dog absolutely yeah. he's a he's he's not bad um no, like for, for us, like our goal is to always find the next piece, right? So I talk about athletes always being motivated to take the next step. That's the same way we are as, as sports scientists, right? Mm. Like I'm going to work to continue building. So like we work with very high rotational athletes. So we need to monitor those rotations. But at the same time, what else can I do on top of that to help monitor, to help keep you on the field? So whether that's a VO2 max test, whether that's looking at our velocity-based training, whether that's looking at any of these parameters, like we're always trying to take that next step when it comes to like nutrition, when it comes to any of these steps, we're trying to bring it all together. That way we're like, Hey, we're taking this step. Like just because, just because like you're working on the field and you're pushing yourself, like I'm pushing myself just as hard to keep you in that, that area. Right. So like, I'm not afraid to reach out. So coming from biomechanics, like VO2 max testing, isn't something that I did a lot. Like I did it in my exercise physiology labs where I had to get on a treadmill and I hated it. Yeah. Like, and that's, like that's the worst thing in the world, but figuring out the best way to do these with athletes, talking about field testing, any of this stuff. Like one thing for me is I reach out to people who I know have the knowledge that can help me and I'm not afraid to do that. So when there's a new idea or something comes up in the organization, like reaching out, talking to people, but also pushing yourself and coming back to the question, like, we, we are constantly pushing and trying to find the edge. Like we are in a very competitive league. So we have a really competitive division, but there's only 30 teams. Like we're all trying to win the title. Right. So every team is trying to find that competitive advantage. Um, and I, I'd said this before on a previous panel I was on, like if you, all these teams, all 30 teams could have the same piece of technology, but if you had a bird's eye view, you would see all 30 teams using that same piece of technology differently because we're all trying to get the competitive edge. So we're all trying to find how it can help us. And I think that's what's really cool about baseball, but it also is really hard to do any research, is we're all working in the background to do all this cool data analysis, but none of it's ever published because we're all trying to keep that competitive advantage. Sure, yeah. Very, and I, I think that was, that was part of kind of why I got into this research as like a grad student, is trying to bring some of that research to light. Right. I was trying to find some things that we could work on with the high school athletes, with any of these players to say, hey, let's take these steps and we'll help you get this information. And that's a big key. Like I talk about it within my job as a scientist, being able to communicate, but it's also a key for people in academia. Right. These researchers doing all these studies, they have to have the ability to communicate with the public. And I, I just took that way in left field. But no, no, you, you didn't. Also, nice pun. But, you know, I. I it's it's so so true right because i remember on a i think it was in a previous podcast brooke and i were on we we were talking about how how different it is from being in the lab and like putting it to real use you know because i remember uh, of course my answer is going to be like you should do a treadmill test you should do a bike test but you were like, I have 200 athletes. And I was like, mm, right, okay, maybe we're a pacer test. You know what I mean? Like, because right. you can't just like spend 300 hours in total trying to get 200 of these athletes like ready to go. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so that that's like, that that's a really good point that you made that your your job is about not only finding the science, but the science that works 
in that specific realm with the resources you have with the team that you have because like if it's only you that's going to take forever but if you have you know 20 interns and 20 coaches and whatever they're like all right everyone grab a stopwatch <laughs> today we're just gonna <laughs> run you guys and we're gonna see how things work um but yeah that's really really great insight there do you all use nutrition and do you guys have registered dietitians and kind of use nutritional strategies to give yourselves a competitive edge as a team um yes and no so nutrition is something that they've that we've worked on a lot we actually have a coach that's finishing up his rd so he's a strength coach but also finishing up rd so like it's a nice. whole mix but we we have another strength coach so th those two work together on nutrition so we have two strength coaches working on a nutrition program but we also had like nutrition interns right so we were able to outsource to do some of this work for us um, and i think that was relatively new i just started in february so i can't speak for the previous versions of our organization but that is something we're bringing in right so Sports science isn't just the biomechanics, the physiology, the, the strength conditioning. There's this whole nutrition aspect where you have to fuel your body the right way to get the performance. And like this goes the same way with sleep. Like you think about everything that's happening. There's so many pieces to this pie that you have to understand. And I can't say like, hey, I'm going to eat right, but I'm only going to sleep two hours a night and then I'm going to perform great. Right. Yeah. So you have to Absolutely. you have to understand this whole piece. And that's like <laughs> nutrition is a huge piece for us getting things done. Yeah, I remember. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brooke. That, well, I love that you brought that up. So would you say as strength and conditioning staff, you guys kind of take on making sure all these other health biomarkers are in line, like keeping them in check as far as like stress management, sleep, nutrition, and making sure they're all put together as an athlete? Yeah. So the, the put togetherness is a big part of my job. Um, so my title is player performance facilitator, but basically I'm the bridge between all these departments. So I'm a biomechanist, I'm a sports scientist, but I work directly with the strength conditioning staff, with our athletic trainers, with the nutrition interns, nutritionists, with our coaches, with our players. So my job is to collect all that data and have it all that we can we can use it together, right? So it isn't just the strength coach looking at what they're eating and how they're moving. The athletic trainer can also see it. Our coach can also see it. It has to all work together because in an organization with so many people giving a player instructions, if one person understands it, but no one else does, you're never going to go anywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to take a step forward, but half the time you'll have other people taking those steps backwards because they don't understand. So that's a big part of my job is bringing everyone and get them on the same page. That way, when we see something in athletic training or we see something on the field, everyone knows what we see. So we can all work together on getting that, getting that fixed. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I know that you, I um, can't get into specifics, but like, and you, you've, we, we just talked about it, but like, can you name like one example of how something you might see, you might relay the information to a coach who sees them? Cause, cause I mean, I, I think unless I'm wrong, you don't see all these athletes every day. Right. And I think Correct. that's, I think that's why the strength coaches or even uh, RDs who might see them daily or weekly have to have to play that role because they're like hey while they're at practice or while they're strength training i'm asking how did you sleep how did you blah blah and i remember that that's what i would do at mississippi state with the cheerleaders and it was like 
you know, it's 5 a.m. workouts, of course. And it's like, what time do you go to sleep? I said, and they're like, I was at Fountain Bar until 2 a.m. And I'm like, God, damn, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> but like, because nobody else saw them as much as as the coaches did. Right. So even if like that, the head coach saw them once or twice a week, it was like I was the first one to see them Tuesday, Thursdays, whatever. But I think that's I, I was really just saying I think that's why they take that role of like how are you eating how are you sleeping what's your stress like blah blah but going back to the original question like can you name a specific I guess flow chart of of how things move as far as like you getting data and then you kind of telling your team like of scientists and strength coaches and whatever so that that information can get relayed in the right way. Yeah, I can actually answer this question. So this is a plus. <laughs> um, so we're, we're openly partnered with a company called Kinduct, which is an athlete management system. So all of our data that's collected is housed inside there, and we can build reports specifically for those people, right? So our strength conditioning coaches can have a report with all the data they need. Our athletic trainers can have a report. Our hitting coaches can have a report. Our pitching coaches can have a report of all this data. So me sitting there, an intern that we have at the affiliate sitting there and trying to get all this data out doesn't actually have to occur because it's readily available. And then when they have questions, it's like, hey, I saw this in the report today and it generates that discussion. So a big part for me is making that data available to make it efficient, right? We're not trying to sit here and be like, hey, I need to sit down with you every single day and go through all 30 of your players so we can break it down. I'm trying to give you the data that you need. That way, in the end, you can be like, hey, I saw this pop up as a flag. Let's talk about this. Or I saw this. And it's not like, hey, well, player A, we look, sleep's good. Nutrition's pretty good. It's like, hey, I saw on player F, like he didn't get as much sleep last night. What can we do? Do we need to talk to him? Or like hydration levels, any of this stuff. Very cool. Do you, do you have like, I don't know if this sounds weird, like sleep coaches or like counselor. You know what I mean? Like, because they definitely want a sleep that... coach. <laughs> yeah, of course. I don't think you need one. I think you sleep very well. I would Nicole. love to be I was a sleep say, coach. You can be one. <laughs> yeah, you can I be love one. Sleep. I just want to like... be an advocate for sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone knows. Every listener knows. You're like, yes, she loves sleep. That girl sleep. sleeps That's all the time. <laughs> You get your nine hours or whatever after watching Bridgerton. But um, yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, because there's there's so much like obviously we're focused on the strength and conditioning and nutrition because that's like that's what that we do as as coaches. Um, but there, there's a wellness aspect of like, hey, how are you sleeping? How's your stress management? Do you have people like that on the team as well that are like? there to help manage stress and there to help, you know, manage sleep and, and work on those habits? Or is it just like strength coaches and nutrition coaches being like, we read a book, <laughs> you know, we can, we can do it. So we don't have anyone on staff now for sleep. Um, that And sleep is something that's really hard in terms of professional baseball because we travel so much. So like if you think about a minor league affiliate, they'll finish a game at 11 p.m and immediately get on a bus for a four-hour bus trip to the next place, right? So sleep is something that we monitor really heavily, but it's also something like we still have to grow. Now, on the stress side, we do have mental performance coaches. So we have people on staff for our players 
for the mental performance aspect. And, and she was new this well as his ear. Um, Catherine is, was absolutely awesome for us. And we also have someone for our big league team. So we do have someone on staff for that stress, um, for meditations, any of that thing, any of that stuff that's going on with our players, anything that's coming up, we have an outlet for them to talk. That's not a coach. It's not a strength conditioning, like coach, like this is someone they can go to that's specifically there to help them with what's going on. So I think that's a huge part of us and a huge thing that we saw success wise this year, because like, let's face it, COVID was really stressful for athletes, like minor league baseball got, yeah, minor league baseball got completely canceled. Yeah. So these athletes that are trying to make a living through minor league baseball just didn't have a season. Now we were, we were really fortunate in that our players still got paid through their normal season. But like that's a really stressful time where you're trying to prove yourself to get to the point where you get this huge contract like we see for Mookie Betts or any of these players. But if you don't have a season to prove yourself, like that's a really stressful event. Your yeah. job is to prove that you belong there. And if you have a whole year where you don't get to prove anything, like that's really stressful. Yeah. I imagine it's also very demotivating, right? Because you're like, fuck, why am I doing all this work? And I, I won't have a chance to show it at a game you know but that that is oh that's really unfortunate for for the athletes and i know we talk about like general pop all the time as we should because they make up you know 90 percent of the population but like athletes are people too and i think a lot of people forget that it's like mm-hmm. oh why, why didn't they why didn't they fight or why didn't they play like oh your life is so hard it's like bro they got stressors just like everyone else you know what i mean like just a lot of pressure yeah yeah so much pressure like mm-hmm. That, you know, especially if you have kids who, you know, have been bankrolled by their parents since they were like three years old to be like, hey, we're just going to pump so much money into this because we know you love it. You have talent, blah, blah. And then you're like, eh, if I don't if I don't make this, this is going to this is going to really suck because <laughs> I put 20 plus years of my life into this. So um, that that's really good to know that they have like mental health experts, because I know that. I don't think there's anything like that in the UFC, um, but they're they're a growing, you know, company. But uh, it, it's it's just good to know because athletes are people too, for sure. Yeah. And what's what's nice? Uh, I'll give a little plug for us as an organization. Like, we did a really good job of communicating with our athletes. Like, hitting COVID is is stressful for us, stressful for general pop, like stressful for everyone involved. But when like all this came up, our coaches, our staff, our athletic trainers, everyone was ready to roll. Like we had the phone calls, we had the Zoom meetings lined up. So we had constant communication with these athletes every week. So there was never a period where they felt like something was going on. So we were able to talk to them when things came up. Like we were still, we were still, our strength coaches were still sending them programs for their lifts the entire time they were home. The athletic trainers were still talking to them. We were still monitoring all of these things that we'd be monitoring in a season, but just doing it from afar. So like we were able to keep them motivated and keep them working, even though we didn't get to see them. So the next time you do come, it's like, holy shit, this guy put in work. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're explicit. We're for explicit. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's good to know. I've, I've held back a lot here. I, one reason I, I work in baseball is that. because like, uh, yeah. yeah, one reason I work in like, baseball is like, I'm, I'm kind of a sailor when it comes to my verbiage. So, same, same, same. um, <laughs> But yeah, like we, we have this factor where we were able to talk to them. So when we see them, it's like, holy shit, this guy put in work. Like we're, he's ready to roll. So, cause like no one knows what's happening with minor league baseball, big league 
MLB spring training is still on time right now. It's like these guys still have to show up. Big league only played 60 games. Like you're, they're supposed to play 162 and they got 60 games. Yeah. Right. So things were different, but these guys still put in work. So when they were coming in for that 60 game season, there wasn't this huge setback because we were able to communicate and we feel the same way with our minor league guys. So when we do see them again, it's not going to be like, let's restart from the beginning. It's, Hey, he's worked this hard. We kept the ball rolling. And that's, that's a big organizational thing for us is that that growth mindset where we're all pushing each other. We all, we all want to learn more. We all want to be the best versions of ourselves and our players feel the same way. Nice. Yeah, one, get me a job. Two, that's why the Dodgers World Series doesn't count this year. So, yes, I'm a hater. It's okay. Uh, and then uh, three, um, I, I think that, oh, man, I lost my point because I was trying to troll so hard. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what I was going to say <laughs> when we were just talking about. Sorry, listeners. That's my Karma. Bad. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I get. <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say is that, like, um, you know, with the, with the shortened. No, F, I forgot. I don't know. I don't know what happened. That's my B. I'm not even going to edit that out. That's just going to stay because people need to know I'm a real human being. Um, yeah, listeners, you deserve to understand the real row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be half the time. I'm just like, I don't know, man. I lost track of. I lost track of that. Um, uh, wow, what a weird pivot. Okay, man, I might switch it out. But anyway, um, you know, I. And I think we'll, we still have a ton of questions and I think they'll come up naturally, but as, as someone who, oh, that's what I was going to say. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's what I got. Okay. So, um, you know, you talked about how you were able to, um, I guess, monitor them from afar and you have this program that I think we talked about it. Like you have things like the color of your pee and, and all this other stuff. So you're like really, really looking at them and, and trying to monitor everything. And I know as someone who did their dissertation and you just talked to me about how you have 2000 Excel sheets, like a lot of data points is nothing for you, right? You're like, ah, I'll take everything in stride. But like, you know, for someone who is working with a baseball athlete right now, what are some things that, you know, maybe you can give them to see not not we won't get into like strength and conditioning right now, but like ways to monitor the health and well-being of an athlete. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier. There's there's so many pieces. So it's not just like what they're doing in the weight room. It's not just how they're performing on the field, but it's that nutrition aspect that that they talk about on here. It's it's the sleep. So it's being able to communicate with them and get what's happening in in the real world, right? So <clears throat> I'll give you an example. I started in February. I didn't walk into the Orioles and be like, "Hey guys, sit down, shut up, listen <laughs> to me. We're doing A, B, and C." Right. Like I walked in and I took the first two weeks to get to know people so people could know who I was and, and get comfortable with, with me as a person. That way, like when we're having those conversations, it's this normal conversation. It's not like it's not like when I come in to do a test, it's like, oh, shit, Ethan's here. We got to be tested today. Yeah. It's like, hey, Ethan, what's up? What are we doing today? How can we help you? Right. So there's this relationship. And that's a big part of monitoring these athletes is having a good relationship. You can't strictly always be a coach and be this hard ass who's like you're gonna push yourself every damn day like you have to be able to communicate with them be like hey what's happening how are you feeling let's adjust so being able to communicate and understand all these pieces but also having that communication factor of like i understand you like hey we were scheduled to do this today let's take it off let's move it 
Yeah. I think that fits your personality so well, too, because like <laughs> since I've known you, you've just been someone who's like, what's up? And, you know, like from a coaching perspective, like that's so great because there are a lot of people that are here like I'm just here to do work. Like I'm here to make you faster and stronger and better. And it's like, all right, well, you know, my grandma just passed away. And it's like, I don't give a fuck. You got to still do this thing. And it's like, like, no, you have no idea how many how many coaches there are that are just like doesn't matter. You got to do work today. And yeah, there are times during the season where that's probably like appropriate, but if you're doing that all the time, you're a bad person. Well, <laughs> that also coach. takes pressure off of the athlete or the client, right? Because a lot of people will show up and perform because they don't want to disappoint you. And I think that's really important to check in with them and see how they are feeling because at the end of the day, even if they don't want to show up for themselves, like a lot of people just don't want to disappoint the person that they are working with. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a good relationship, right, it's like, I'm going to push for you, man. Yeah. And builds like, that trust. Yeah. Um, well, you guys are yeah. better people, people than I am. So. <laughs> there's, there's this aspect for me, like in baseball, typically a sports scientist is a guy out there wearing like a polo shirt and golf <laughs> pants. Like, don't get me wrong. I love yes. my Lulu pants. Like they're, <laughs> they're the most comfortable pants I own, but I don't go out on the field dressed like a scientist. I go out in the field in my baseball, in like my team issued shorts or in baseball pants. So that way I'm one with them. Like there's a feeling of, hey, this guy's trying to test me or hey, this guy's trying to make me better. And sometimes players can, can put those together. But if they see you as someone who's just always around, it helps a lot. It's like when I go out in baseball pants and in my t-shirt, like I'm, I'm just one of the guys I can be in the dugout. I can talk to them. They understand they can have a normal conversation with me, but then on a dime pivot and be like, Hey, what are we doing with this tech today? How is it going to help me? What can we do? Like, Hey, what did you see today when you're looking at this data? How's it going to help me? So there's not this awkward transition between science and baseball. It's like, Hey, he's on the field anyway. Or like, Hey, these people collecting this data are always with us. It's not this person who's just coming to test me and then go sit in a cubicle and look at the data until they tell me how bad I am at what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just imagine you walking out to second base and being like, yeah, I'm in a white lab coat. And you're like, all right, get this guy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I remember Dr. Smith talking about um, like being able to wear different hats you know, and, and not just being like, so the, the difference between like, like we swear in here a lot, right. Or not we, I think me mostly. Um, <laughs> but when I give talks, like I'm very conscious about it because it's like, Hey, like I understand people don't like this. Some people don't respect it or whatever. Um, but this is our podcast, so I can say whatever the fuck I want, but, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for, especially coming from like a player standpoint, right? Like you're absolutely right. Where if you are a scientist, Right. Um, and I think that sports science is a little different than like when you think of chemists and biology and like those people are nerds. They're geeks. Right. <laughs> like, oh, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm a hard nerd. I right. just hide it in it's, my clothing. Exactly. Right. So but like, you know, we love sports and, and we love making like like most of our job has to do with dealing with people and being able to build relationships. Like you can't talk to cells and be like, yeah, this is a Bob. And he, you know, he proliferated and he's doing really well today. Like that doesn't make any sense. So I think we, we do have a leg up when it comes to like building relationships, when it comes from like sports science and then what you might think of like hard sciences when it comes to chemists and biologists and whatever. Um, but I, I bring that up to, to really only point out that, 
you know, I really do think that you you got to where you are. Obviously, you're stupid smart, but like there's so much personality and there's so much like being able to connect with people that like that's why people are like, yeah, I'll be around Ethan. Like I'll push for him. Like for sure. He asked me how I'm doing. And like Nicole said, like I want to do well for you and that's going to help push me. Um, so that's 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 awesome. You get our check of approval, <laughs> whatever that means, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And and like one thing for me is like, I've always been a little different than what the norm is. Right. It's like, I'm the first time I'm meeting Brooke and Nicole, like I'm wearing an Orioles hoodie because like, that's what I'm comfortable in. That's how that's, that's what, who I am. Right. It's like when I taught college classes, I didn't go dressed up. Like you would see all these people (laughs) wearing polos and dress pants. Like I would wear my joggers and a t-shirt to go teach a three hour lecture. Because like the students, if I'm myself, the students are more comfortable with who I am. Like I would occasionally cuss in class. I would try not to because like that's really <laughs> frowned upon in college apparently. Yeah. But what? Why? Like, yeah, I don't. I don't know. But I like, think that that comes from the advisors. You know, like people that are above us that are like, "Hey, you can't swear." It's we're not swearing at students. You know, <laughs> but like for me, I was like, "Guys, this is really fucking cool." And if I can say that, and like I'm excited, that gets them excited. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. I, I don't agree mm. with the not swearing thing. So I'm with you Do on you that one. Do you say that now, Ro? Like with your students now? Absolutely. So the thing is, now that I'm in COVID, I can't say it in recordings because yeah. <laughs> if the professors go and check that, then they're going to be like, we have here very clear cut that you spend 10 seconds swearing straight. So <laughs> that's bad. We approve. But we have the like, receipts. While, while I was, yeah, yeah, I can't hide it. But when we were teaching in class, like for me, it's just like, guys, this is like so exciting. It's so cool. Like the the best way for me to explain that is through vulgarity or whatever. Um, and I really wish that I could I could dress up in joggers, but we have some like uh, we'll say old fashioned um, type of professors that are like you got to wear like khakis or dress pants mm-hmm. and then a button down, and it's it's fine. It's the only time I dressed up was like two or three times a week, but. Um, I envy you, but uh, sorry, sorry. These to are cut, rough times. We don't need to be wearing khakis. I, well, not right now. I, that's why I don't turn on the camera. <laughs> They're when like, I'm you have I'm to like, wear khakis in your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like laying in bed recording. Like it's a great day, and I'm like, I don't know. It's like 7 p.m. <laughs> that's yeah, that, and that was one thing for me. Is like I didn't really care. So I don't want to say like I'm I'm defiant to people but like sometimes you're like hey you need to do this i'm like but why why yes like like challenging the norms is a big part of my job because baseball has been very stuck in its ways for a long time we're a very traditional sport and my position is literally challenging everything about the sport yeah they're like hey i know you've done timing on a stopwatch for years but maybe that's not really that accurate you know crazy thought your thumb isn't the best (laughs) yeah so like all these things, like when I was teaching, like my, if my students felt comfortable with me as a person, then they could come talk to me about what was happening. If, if an assignment yeah. was late, they could come and say, Hey, like they, they would be honest with me. Like you always get some bullshit excuses. Don't get me wrong. Like I was a college student once I, I understood how it worked. I never occasionally never. lied about a late assignment, but you know, whatever, <laughs> like they would come and talk to you and feel comfortable. Like, Hey, so-and-so happened. Like, I'm not going to get this in. Like, all right, cool. Thanks for letting me know. Let's work past this. And it's the same with athletes, right? It's the same with anybody. If they feel comfortable with you, then you'll get more done. They're going to feel more comfortable to talk to you about what's happening. Like, Hey, like I don't work specifically in the strength room, but say, Hey, this guy's coming in for a lift and they might push themselves on a weight that they don't feel comfortable with for the day because they don't feel comfortable talking to you. But instead be like, 
hey, I'm not feeling this today. Can we adjust it here? And you can make that adjustment and work. Same thing with like nutrition. Like, hey, like I'm really struggling. Like, all right, cheat, have a pizza. Eat an entire Papa John's pizza with the stuffed crust or whatever. That's just what Ethan does, but fine. Like you can work through these things and, and work with them if they're comfortable to talk to you because that's the, that's the human part of this. You have to have that human aspect or like they just feel like a subject and that never works. Yes, sir. So, um, I, this kind of, this kind of falls into, to it, but I think it needs to be like explicitly said, uh, someone who does work with these athletes, uh, what sort of advice do you have for someone who wants to do what you do or get into strength and conditioning for, um, baseball athletes? You know, maybe someone's trying to listen and be like, Oh, how do I, how do I get to where he is so that, you know, I can live out my dream of working with the Chicago Cubs. Please hire me at some point. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be honest. Like, first of all, not strength conditioning for me. I'm yeah. not CSTS certified. I, I don't really understand how to program. Like, hey, you're in a power phase. I could pick out a few exercises, but that's about it. Right. <laughs> it's like <laughs> for Clean me. Jerks. Clean the, the jerks. That's it. <laughs> for me, getting into like baseball is all about getting internships. Right. So like in my position, the reason I got my position is because I spent two years as an intern learning on how to do this. And even though I didn't learn it from the organization that hired me, they knew I learned it in the right way. So working those internships, if you want to be a strength conditioning coach, then being a strength conditioning coach and showing, showing your value. So when those jobs open up and you're applying for all these jobs, like don't feel bad if you get told no. I emailed all 30 teams and I talked to four, <laughs> right? Like don't feel bad when a team's like, you know what? No, not you. And like, I got rejections. I, that happens. So like, keep pushing yourself and keep talking and keep reaching out. Don't be afraid to be an intern for a year. Don't be afraid to just get your foot in the door. Don't be afraid to just show that you're worth it, right? Because getting in is the hardest part for baseball. And then like, we also hire outside. So when you're doing your training, so if you're a strength conditioning coach, when you're setting up programs, you're setting trainings, prove that you're the best at doing what you do. Like, don't try to be something you're not in these interviews. Don't, don't come in and advertise yourself as something that's fake. Just be real, right? It's like most people in my position throughout MLB are really good at coding programs. When I, when I was hired and they asked me that, I was like, no, like my coding experience is very limited. I, I can't come in and sit down and write a SQL code for you. Like that's not going to happen. But that's a big part because if I would have come in and told them I could do it and then couldn't, that's so much worse. And that's how you get basically right. written off. And if you get written off from one place, it doesn't mean you're, it's all of them, but we all talk to each other. I know almost every other director of sports science throughout the league or have talked to them at some point. So like we talk to each other. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, it, uh, fuck, what's I going to say? Oh yeah. That's what I was thinking about when you talk about coding uh, random thought, you all had my spaces, right? Oh Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you do you all remember like writing HTML code to like put your favorite song in and yes. like <laughs> the glittery pages and whatnot? Which amazes me because if you asked me to do that right now, I couldn't do it. Oh yeah. So I don't know how not. I knew how to do it when I was like eleven. <laughs> you know what's what was this the hardest part for me? This is really off topic. Like picking a song wasn't like really that hard. I was super country. Like you wouldn't guess that now from my appearance, but I, I, was, I grew up in a very country setting, 150 acre farm. But like the hardest part for me about MySpace was choosing the top friends. Always, 
Oh, it's, it's like it was that, so that was personal. the most stressful it was so thing. Oh, <laughs> it's a bloodbath. The next Monday, we were like, so like, uh, did you see that she changed her top one? <laughs> You're not her top one anymore. It was I, rough. I do wish I could find my old one. Uh, I'm sure someone someone can find it. Uh, did you I like just, have all I your top eight as like dudes, or did you have to put girls in there and piss them all off? I'm, sh- I'm sure it was all dudes. <laughs> and, well, the thing is, I was a I was a very different person back then. I was still a good person, so it was all about like you know such a good person and whatnot. It wasn't like trying to you know get uh, Olivia upset or whatever. And I know <laughs> it's been a while, but I know Casey's gonna be like, so who's Olivia? I'm like, I just made up a name, babe. <laughs> oh <laughs> Before it happens. Yeah, before it happens, like I know it'll happen. I love you, babe. I'll see you on Friday. Um, yeah, <laughs> like but yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, it was all just like friends stuff. But even then, you still have like, well, why was Danny before Brandon? Like, I don't know, Brandon, mm. you're being a dick this week, so you got demoted. I don't know what to tell you. Oh my god, um, what a horrible system that had to tr- that had to contribute <laughs> to trauma. Well, Tom made out like a bandit, so he's off living <laughs> his rich life somewhere. True. Anyway, that's what you should have said as far as coding experience went. <laughs> like, yeah, fun MySpace fact about MySpace, I set up my Xbox um, gamer tag using my MySpace email, and it is still my MySpace email, and I haven't got a single message from Xbox since the original Xbox. Like, I... If they ever send me any promos or any updates or I forget my password, like I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's why I switched to finally putting it to my personal because there's so many times. Uh, my first email ever was numchucksquirrel at yahoo.com. What? I don't remember the password. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah, I don't remember I my first email. <laughs> Numchucksquirrel. I don't remember how it came to me. I know my cousin made one that was numchucksgirl, and I was like, well, that's kind of copying, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I lost, I lost so many things just because i was like oh just like spam account that and now now i just don't have access to a lot of things and never oh, i was um swim chick 747 swim and then chick. i went through like a really emo phase and then i was love equals loathing wow why did i never notice about best. you Thing I've ever heard on this podcast <laughs> and in my life. Love equals loathing. Love equals loathing. I'm depressed. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. Talking about seasonal depression year round. Wow, Brooke's <laughs> been depressed for a long time. Like, like you know, it's I just was, ingrained in my soul. I'm like emo forever. I still listen to that music. I love it, but I never had anything that was like like that. I'm sorry, Brooke, but if you don't change your Insta handle to Love Equals Loathing, I can't be friends with you anymore. <laughs> just for a bit. The just emo for like one day and see if anyone notices. <laughs> The emo dietitian would be so good. It would be such a good. <laughs> I might get my RD just to be that. Like, if if you're sad, just have a salad. What if you change it and you gain like five thousand followers in like a day? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so funny. Now I'm gonna go a little deeper. Do you guys remember your guys' uh, your aim? Oh, names? I don't remember don't, any of this. Mm-hmm. Please, please, Ethan. What is it? Because so I need first, to I'll t- my first email. You can. I was always into sports, but my first email was. Basketball underscore is underscore my underscore life underscore three. 
at Yahoo. And imagine trying to tell your friends like your email and you're writing this out. It's like, here's two full lines on this wide ruled paper of my email. Yeah. Email me tonight. That's oh, awesome. I'm so you're sad like, I can't my, three, three people got up before you. So you're like, one, no, two, no, three. Damn it. All right. So, so my uh, my aim account was CC B-Ball Playa. <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) Brooke, what was what was your aim? Please tell us, Brooke. Well, I guess no, so swimchick747 was my email. Love equals loathing was my aim. So that's what everybody wanted to instant message you for sure. So you were hitting up Troy at like 10 p.m. being like, I miss you. Oh (laughs) life is not the same without you. And then remember like the away messages of like dramatic quotes, like life altering moments. Oh my god, you're like away message was your life yeah <laughs> my uh my little icon that square I, I guess the avatar was like remember the band reliant k or reliant k i don't know how to yes. pronounce them they had an album cover mm-hmm. that was just like a daisy for some reason that was my avatar it was like i need people to know i listen to them like, all right dude <laughs> nobody's wow. checking them my aim was uh blue dragon 22x that's what how it do was. y'all remember this I how do you forget a, it? i have an awful memory is that like is that from um from Yu-Gi-Oh? No. Well, I, I yeah, never I, I didn't watch Yu-Gi-Oh at that point. I just I You think, just picked Blue Dragon without Yu-Gi-Oh. Well so, what a fake. I yeah. <laughs> well it wasn't no that that was a blue eyes white dragon, I think is the is the mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh card game. But yeah, I, just, um, I thought you just missed two words. I, no, I mean yeah. <laughs> I'm like somebody had it, so I'll just go blue dragon. I think it's because I remember somebody and oh man, I feel like such a poster now, but somebody had Black Panther like twenty something X and I was like, Oh, I'll be Blue Dragon twenty two X. So that's that's where that was birthed from. So I'm surprised you don't remember that, Nicole. I mean, I'm wild. sure it had something chick in it, but like I don't know. Like I really love cannot loathing? remember. Yeah, crazy. It wasn't. I mean, it's definitely not going to beat Brooks, so I might as well <laughs> be thankful. I forgot. No one is being that. That's yeah. the, hey, listeners. <laughs> please send yes, in your aim, your old MySpace, your old emails. I I I hope people send stuff in because I'm I'm going to die just just reading this stuff. <laughs> we definitely have to do like a sticker on Instagram and get people to send in their. For stuff. sure. And then we'll read them off the next episode. Absolutely. Yes. Whoever, um, yes, whoever gets the winner will send you like $5. Yeah. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be featured on the podcast as a guest. Um, I'm so glad we like, we sidetracked so hard. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but let's, let's get back on topic. But that was, that was awesome. I like how Ethan was like, Hey, sometimes I go too deep. So if, I, if I'm doing that, just stop me. And we're like, what was your aim user? <laughs> Um, this is perfect. If any of my students have, are listening to this, like they're going to understand this completely. Cause like, we'd be like, Hey, let's look at this projectile motion. We end up on like how many cows I had on my farm growing up. Like, <laughs> where's this connection? <laughs> I love it. How many cows did you have on your farm? By the way, growing up? <laughs> uh, we had seven, we had 70 head of cattle when I was growing up. Jesus. Did you say seven oh or God. 70? 70. 70. Wow. Seven zero. And zero. You count them. Well. You call them head. It's like you're counting their heads. You don't count the bodies. Just the heads. Oh, cool. <laughs> okay. But you know, most times uh, you would assume it's a one for one. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Like seventy bodies. Okay, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so for uh, parents that are listening, um, or maybe really active uncles, or you know, people that deal with kids, uh, for parents that have 
kids that are wanting to play baseball at a high level, um, you know, do you have any sort of insight or advice for them? Because I think a lot of what we see in the strength and conditioning is that I guess sports is that they specialize way too early. And so when it's like, oh, from seven to 10, he's just doing baseball because he loves it and he gets really good. Cool. From 10 to 15, he's doing only that. And then they get hurt. Uh, they lose passion for it. Um, you know, a lot of other things. So do you have any sort of insight or advice for, for them? A couple things. So first let them have fun. Right. So one, one thing I'm seeing now is like younger and younger athletes, these parents, they're crazy uncles, whatever, pushing them to use all this technology to figure like, Hey, we need to make this kid better. And like, Hey, chill. He's like, he's seven years old. He doesn't have to have a perfect swing. Let him have fun. Let him enjoy the game so that he learns it the right way. And then exactly what Rose said, like this specialization at a young age, like can hinder the development of the athlete because all these sports are using different, um, it's like different skills and the way our brain works. Like we pull skills from other areas to help us in what we're doing. Like just because I'm, I'm running in cross country or like I'm shooting a basketball, it doesn't mean it's not going to help me in baseball. Getting out of that specialization helps, helps these kids just develop as they are. And again, just lets them have fun. It's like the, the biggest thing for me is I see like these parents trying to get these new technologies and like, well, I'm going to analyze the biomechanics of my seven-year-old throwing. Like, yeah, yeah, he might be like doing something that could hurt him when he's 17, but he doesn't throw hard enough now to, to even like have a muscle strain in his bicep. Let him relax. Let him throw. He's going to develop. His body has to develop before we say, hey, this has to be perfect. And like this gets into a, a really deep conversation about like motor programs and teaching them the right way. It's like, yes, we do need to teach them the right way to do it but it doesn't have to be perfect at a young age. Let them have fun. Don't overanalyze a kid because you're just going to burn them out before they get to the point where they could be really good. That's a really great answer. Um, and also I want to point out like in high school, I've already lettered in four sports and obviously I'm a great athlete because I didn't play in college. So <laughs> let your kids do that. You're like, I chose, I chose not to. <laughs> I, I played club baseball, which is just like glorified beer league, but we still played other colleges. It's fine. Whatever. I love beer league. Beer leagues are, are the best. Uh, As I drink a beer on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We are for everyone. Um, that's 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 really great advice. And and I think, like I said, that so many so many parents are, and I get it. I'm not a parent, so I don't get it to that extent. But like, you want your kid to succeed as much as possible so you think what's best for them is to like oh we're just going to get you to do this all this time but you're right like at that age it's about having fun and i know i'm going to eat these words whenever i have a kid 30 years from now um but like 30 you're going to want to push them so much but yeah i want to point point. like i i said that like joke about college and not being good enough, but like I had offers, like I had full rides for NAIA basketball. Like I reached my full potential in basketball as a, as a six foot, 130 pound kid as a senior, like I wasn't going to make it big, but like I, I reached my potential and I feel a lot because I was, I wasn't specializing in just one sport. I didn't burn myself out. I was able to compete and use all these skills and translate it into what I was really good at. Right. And like, I was pretty good at baseball. Like I obviously ended up in baseball, so I love it. But like these other sports will help you develop as an athlete. So I, I do have a question. So because 
<clears throat> baseball definitely has a lot of um, Latino heritage, or I guess Latin heritage. Sorry, I don't, don't want to offend the Latinx and Latino, Latino people, but um, has a lot of like Southern American, Central American heritage. Do you do you see that there's like a difference in how they approach sports and training and growing up? compared to like Americans? Oh, a hundred percent. So we actually just finished our signing class. We call them the J twos of our international signing class. Um, But these, these kids, like we just signed 17 year old kids out of Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, like they will start specializing in baseball and playing baseball year round at 14 years old. Like that, that becomes their life. And that that does that sometimes does help them in terms of like certain things, but that's because they're playing year round. But it also we're we're seeing like we sign a lot of them, and, and you see like we sign a lot of all these players. But you see these differences in in development and how how developed they are as literally just an athlete in terms of strength conditioning, all these aspects from these guys who are playing like the high school kid we draft out of um, like backwoods Tennessee first this 17 year old we draft out of any of the latin countries like we'll see developmental differences between them just based on how they like how they were focused baseball focused like we we tend to see some i don't i don't want to stereotype and say we see deficiencies by kids that just play baseball but sometimes you see guys who are not specialized all the time with better aspects in certain part of their game that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if all you're doing is even from a, let's look at a, an energy dependent standpoint where if all you're doing is playing baseball, then all you're good at is sprinting for, what is it, for 30 feet? How, how no, it's not 30 feet. How, how, what's the difference between bases? Is it 60? I'm not a true baseball fan. I don't remember. I'm, give, I'm letting you, I'm letting you go. I'll Google anybody. it before I say anything again. <laughs> anybody here. <laughs> Anyway, but like that's your specialization, hold on, hold right? On, hold on. Brooke, Nicole, anybody? What was the, the question? The distance between plates mm. in baseball, like in feet, between bases, in, yes. in kilometers. Yeah, a <laughs> hundred. I was gonna say a hundred too. She's closer than row. It's ninety feet. Oh, you know what? Oh, row. I'm so mad. I'll just edit it a bit here. Uh, the difference in 90 feet. Go ahead. Edit that. <laughs> anyway, that's your specialization, right? That's all you've ever been good at. So from what we know from an aerobic standpoint is that if you do long, uh, low intensity work, you create like a bigger funnel, right? And so you, you have the ability, ability to recover more and you can kind of build up from there. So, you know, if someone was also doing cross country along with baseball, they're going to have a better ability to recover. And they still have that sprinting ability and that power production because they're doing the same things. But they also took the time, whether they wanted to or not, whether they tried to or not, to to develop that. Um, so that's really, really interesting. And I think from a science standpoint, like makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, like when we're signing these kids out of our Latin countries, like they are amazing athletes. It's anybody we sign. Like you have to think we're picking like the best players. So it's not like I'm signing. There's a reason I didn't get signed out of high school. Right. It's because I wasn't good enough. It's like we're signing the best of the best. So I'm not saying these kids are going to come in and like they're bad, but we just see like these training adaptations from 
either playing baseball specifically for the last four years first going through high school and playing two sports or like growing up and playing multiple sports leading into that specialization in the high school or in those last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Okay. The, the most important question, when will the Orioles win the world series <laughs> next? 2021. <laughs> yeah, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's there's the only a, right answer. A, like this year, every year. There's a reason. There's a reason we were brought into this organization. It's to win World Series. But really, like, we we are a team that, like, last year we were two years ago we were last place in the AL East. This past year we moved up one spot because the Red Sox took a little dip. So. One thing we knew coming in and like our GM knew is like we are a rebuilding program. Our guys, at the major league level are really good baseball athletes, but we're also working really hard to develop these these younger guys in our minor league system. So we're spending a lot of time working with both aspects where we want to maximize performance on the field right now for the MLB. But we also want to maximize these players coming through our system. So when they get there, we have an explosion of talent. So there's a balancing act for me where we're trying to maximize what we have at the MLB level, but also maximize what we can do with the minor leaguers. So when they get there, it's like, holy shit, the Orioles and their farm system are great. Yeah. It's like the explosion that happened at, <clears throat> with the Cubs in 2015. And it was like, okay, it's time for the farm system to finally think, come into intact. I think you'll see it a lot. If you like think about the Rays. So the Rays have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. And what they've done is basically built this farm system, the number one farm system in baseball, but they also did a really good job of trades and getting talent from other teams Mm -hmm. that were really young talent. So they've built around this, this function of, Hey, we're just going to grow as much as we can in the minor leagues. And their entire MLB roster wasn't from their farm system, but they had a few and those players were really good because of what they had done. They, they went through that rebuilding process and they focused on the sports science and developing athletes. Very cool. All right. So last question we have here. As a lifelong Reds fans, is it weird to cheer on a different team? Like for me, I told I told Casey the other day, I was like, if the Green Bay Packers called me and said, we have a job for you, I was like, I wouldn't take it. But I know damn well I would take it because why wouldn't I? You know what I was I like, mean? you're a liar. Yeah, yeah. But it would hurt a little, you know, because I've been so anti-Packer for so long. So as someone who has been a Reds fan their whole life and has a wife who has also been a Reds fan their whole life, like what is that like does it matter like obviously you want your team to succeed without a doubt but like what are your thoughts when you have to think about stuff like that yeah i mean i grew up 45 to an hour outside of cincinnati so reds was basically the only professional team around them and the Bengals. but like i didn't cheer for the Bengals because the Bengals. because <laughs> they're the Bengals. Um, yeah <laughs> i mean the reds didn't do like much better but <laughs> it was fine um so like Growing up, Reds fan was awesome because it helped instill like the baseball culture and mindset into like what I did. But at the same time, like when I went and worked my first professional baseball job and I worked for the Rays, like it was easy for me to say, "Hey, like I don't, I'm not going to sit down and watch every NL Central game to see how the Reds are doing. Like I can focus on the AL East." So, like even though I love, like I loved cheering them on, it's a completely different fandom when you work with the players, right? So now it's not like, "Hey." they signed this kid. This is really exciting. It's holy shit. I worked with him today. Like, it's really cool to see them succeed. So it's, it's a completely different type. It's not a fandom anymore. It's like a friendship. It's a, it's a bond because you're working with them to get, to get to this place. So I don't, 
although I grew up a Reds fan, like I had red stuff. It's probably in a tote somewhere with my Rays gear in our basement. But like I didn't have an issue saying, Hey, I'm going to put this aside because I built something bigger by working with them. And like, it might be different for you because you grew up like in Chicago and around it. And like, you know, the bears, even though. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Let's, let's not talk about it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> like when you, when you get to that point and you get to work with those athletes and you're, you're there every day working in and out, trying to help them on the field, like it changes that, that aspect. And like one thing too, like I didn't hate the Orioles. I didn't hate the Rays because they weren't a division rival. Like if I were to get a job offer from the Cubs, I think that might've been a little different sure, because yeah. As a Cincinnati fan, like we hated the Cubs, right? But like, there, there's this piece you put aside when you're working with those athletes. It's just so much different. I think that's yeah. So so that's fair because like <clears throat> for me, I started watching the UFC really like my my senior year of college, uh, and I had a super senior year as well. So it's really only been like I guess five years, and I'm not like a super fan, right? But I had like favorite fighters as as anyone has. <clears throat> but if one of the people I'm working with is going against them, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, we're going to get you to beat them. You know what I mean? Because like, obviously, I don't have a lifelong investment like I do with all the Chicago teams. But at the same time, like one is fandom from like, I love the way that they do whatever. And the other one is I see this person weekly. I, I've seen them go from, you know, A to B. They've really put in work. I want to see them succeed so bad. So um, I get that not from like a lifelong standpoint, but from like a, I have the utmost respect for what I do and for you and nothing else matters at this point. I'm going to make sure that you can be at the top level to beat that person or whatever. So it's good. Yeah, and I'll bring this full circle. Like for me, if I worked for a college team, either college football or college basketball in the SEC, like it would, it would literally pain me yeah. to cheer them on against Kentucky. Cause you're such a UK like, fan. Yeah. Like I have, I literally have the UK logo on my back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's my thing. Right. So, and like, that's, that's where it comes into play. Like that would be different for the same time. Like when I was working with Mississippi state baseball and I was working with those coaches, I had no issue saying like, I wanted state to beat every team, even Kentucky, because I was invested and yeah. we were working together every day. Like what I was doing with them was completely different from my fandom. Now, basketball and football, like that's where like it would be really hard. <laughs> right. But stepping out and like Especially working with basketball. a baseball team, like it was just it was different. I mean, I mean, basketball is struggling a little bit this year at Kentucky, but we're we'll get back. Just we'll be better. A bit. The UK uh, cool. defense this past year was was dirty. They were really good, but you know who's going to beat Alabama at this point? nobody not not us Uh, we we only lost like i think we lost 62 to 3 against bama this year (laughs) no we scored three points it's okay state had a horrible season anyway too so it it is what it is we should all go back and help them (laughs) just kidding uh i'm not moving back to mississippi um do you uh two have any more any more questions for ethan and then ethan do you have any anything else that you would like to say or talk about or anything I don't have any questions. This was a super great conversation and it was really interesting to see or hear more of what you do. And, um, I texted Brooke in the middle of it and I'm like, this is really making me miss baseball games. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yeah, it was great. And I learned a new word biomechanist didn't, did not know that, but thank you so much for your time. And it was like really cool to hear and get to know more about you and what you do. (laughs) 
What? Why'd you say Nicole? Said uh, we we learn more about you too, bro. Love love equals loathing. Oh, yeah. Love equals loathing. Oh my god! That's and you have to spell out equals like love equals loathing. It's gonna be the name Ooh. of the podcast. Like Ian Stewart, love equals loathing. And you're like what? Sorry. What is going on with this guy? Isn't he married? <laughs> He's like, uh, Megan, I have something to tell you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Uh, no, I think this was awesome. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, course, I, I love when I can have a conversation and just be kind of myself. Like I said, like a hoodie and comfortable. And that was that was what this was. So there was there was no pressure. And being able to come on is is an honor. So thanks for inviting me. And yeah, I look forward to coming back at some point, maybe in the future with more details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. If I can share. You're like, they won the World Series and we'll just all get blasted. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> yeah. great. Hey, if we win the World Series, then we're definitely finishing a six pack on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've been sure. trying we'll to think of some drinking field. games to incorporate into our shows. So maybe that'll be our first uh, one. Even, uh, I don't know if he still does, but drank a, a lot um, <laughs> and when we were in school together. So I'm sure he has plenty of drinking games that, that we could play yeah. even virtually. I'll say that was a little bit of a younger, younger days for you, hun. Once we, once we hit 20, uh, 26 last year, like we cut down a lot. We had to, we had to really focus on That's school. Right. I forget that you're so much younger than, not so much younger, but you're younger than us. Cause you are 26 right now, right? No, you're 27. I'm 27. 27. Yeah. I'm 28, Nicole's 29, Brooks 42. So, it's, <laughs> you got every single really one of them wrong except for yours, Ro. <laughs> I'm also 28. It's okay because Brian's like 62. So, oh my god, <laughs> Ro, I can't couple. wait until hey, you know you know cross the threshold over 30 because you're really gonna be feeling it. Oh, I, I've been feeling it since I was 16. So, like, <laughs> at this point, wait. it's it's whatever. I, I have the I have the feeling that I believe Bro on Brooke's age because she was drinking some sleepy time cheese. <laughs> See, you did it to yourself, Brooke. I was acting flex. like sixty-eight year old Brooke today. <laughs> but I turned thirty-one soon. That's exciting. February sixth. Oh 6th. my gosh, that's so true. Oh yeah. I still right. haven't celebrated your thirtieth with you. <laughs> well, you know. COVID jacked it all okay. up. It really yeah, did. It's all right. I saw you about about a year ago, Brooke. That's that's when I was in North Carolina. That's wild to think about. So, anyway, uh, thank you so much for coming on, on Ethan. Uh, I know that you were like appreciated, but we really appreciate you you taking time to come on and and talk to us. I know the last time we like had a full in depth conversation was when we went when I went back to state to to walk for graduation. So it was really good to like. Pretend like we're at a bar <laughs> and just yeah, talk about absolutely. stuff. So, uh, we will have to find hopefully sometime soon um, to fly out there because I've never been to the Northeast um, and specifically Baltimore. So I'm, I'm down. Wait until the season starts in like summer because um, it's dreary outside. Uh, and if you're if you're ever in depression. Baltimore, Camden Yards is a pretty sweet field. So is that the name of the that? Yes, that's the name of our stadium. I'm like, I'm familiar with Wrigley, and that's about it. So, um, but cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, for our listeners, please send us uh, questions. Um, but real quick, back up. 
Ethan, is there anywhere that people can uh, find you and, and keep up with any sort of baseball knowledge or any questions that they might have for you or whatever? I know you're like very busy all the time, um, but, you know, any sort of where you live on the Internet type stuff. Yeah, if you if you want to find me uh, both Twitter and LinkedIn, it's Ethan Stewart 14. Um, so you can find me there. Um, you'll get a lot of Kentucky tweets. Um, but if anything comes up, if any, any questions you have, feel free to reach out. Um, I'm always on LinkedIn. I'm always on my Twitter. Just shoot me a a DM, shoot me a message, whatever. And we'll get that taken care of. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I know we're all super appreciative. Uh, hopefully we'll have you on here again. Um, for our listeners, please share, like, subscribe, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, it's really cool to see our, uh, listening count keep going up month by month um and uh, if you have any questions feel free to send them in whether it's for the question of the week or for uh putting in the bank for our q a episodes but until next time uh we will catch you then cue that music <laughs> peace out y'all